You smell that, Sami? <laughs> What's that smell? It's the smell of data science. I thought it was the pine candle that you had. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. It's refreshing. <laughs> Welcome to Data Learners. Welcome to Data Learners. This is Tori. And this is Sami. So today we wanted to talk about that article that you had found. What was it again? Ah, yes. The Data Science Trends article. 10 Predictions for Data Science and AI in 2020. And I went through a few of them to try to find one that I thought was really relevant to the data science practitioner because a lot of them were more like business oriented and about things that companies would care about if they're trying to enter the market and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This is, or maybe even about policymakers. This, there's definitely quite a few trends that you should be aware of if you're thinking about learning data science or going into data science. So I thought we could talk about this. Sure. It's by my friend, Jason T. Wijaja, who is not actually my friend, but wrote this article. And if you want to check it out, it's on Medium. W-I-D-J-A-J-A. Yep, under Towards Data Science. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to go through like everything in depth. We're just going to give you a little taste of these trends. And if you're interested, you can go check it out there. So the first one is really interesting because we've touched on this before. It's actually that data science roles are becoming more specialized. Okay. So that's in terms of industry, in terms of skills like machine learning, engineering. I'm a little confused by which you most. There's a whole lot of things that things you specialized into, I feel like. Yeah, so I think the problem or the challenge that's starting to get addressed now is that data science as a field is very broad. And so when you go to apply for a data science job, you really don't even know until you get on the phone what you'll actually be doing because Mm -hmm. you don't know what that person means when they say data science. So do they mean that you're doing analytics and building reports? That's now being called product analytics. Do they mean that you're building machine learning systems in production? So that means doing a lot of deploying pipelines. So that could be an ML engineer or a data engineer. ML is? Machine learning. Or are you really the modeler who is building and training the predictive models, which Mm -hmm. is more of like a statistician type role? So that seems like data science as a career, there are more roles than there used to be. Yeah, I think those needs have always been around. And one of the reasons why it's been so hard for companies to hire data scientists is they're looking for like one person to have all those skills. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like trying to find a unicorn or even Mm -hmm. like a purple unicorn. It's really hard. So of of the kind of spectrum of data science roles we talked about from analytics to Mm -hmm. statistics to engineering, is there like a skill set that calls out to you more? With the project I'm working on right now and with the bend I have towards data science stuff, in the second episode, we talked a lot about how much space there is in data science and like how much, you know, we can go into it as new people, as we don't necessarily have backgrounds in undergraduate degrees and degrees in either programming or engineering and that kind of thing. And that's the category that I fall into. I'm really looking at data science as a means of understanding the world around me more. I think this is more personal than it is career. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it ends up being career stuff, great, awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. So what, what I'm actually looking at right now is how do I make data science something that's accessible for other people and something that is useful to, I don't know, the ideas and things I care about. So for instance, this parking ticket thing is something that I care about. I think it's a really good way to use technology and to use data analytics for science and do some good with it. Yeah. And my views are probably going to change over time. You know, I might say like, oh, like I want to do a career with this in the future. But right now I think 
I don't necessarily bend towards like a career path towards it, but I do like the idea of using data science. I guess with this project, it's analytics. There's no like machine learning going on here. Not yet, no. There could potentially be an opportunity to turn this into a machine learning mm -hmm. project. So that's what I like about your project. It really does encompass everything, including hitting an API, which is cool. And I still think most roles are generalists because really only like the largest companies need or have the capacity to entertain specialists. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So most data science roles, unless they're large companies, are for generalists. Yeah, it mm -hmm. still is that way. You kind of have to do a little bit of everything in most roles. Okay. Do you think I could use machine learning in my project? Yes, I think you could. Tell, tell, me, tell me where your brain's in on that. So your original question is, mm -hmm. like, is there a relationship between the number of parking tickets in a neighborhood mm -hmm. and the income of that neighborhood? So one thing you can do is look if there's a statistical correlation, right. which isn't so much what people usually refer to when they say machine learning, but right. it's definitely a, a statistical analysis. Sure. So there's that. You could take it a step further and say, like, could we predict whether or not a, a particular address is going to get a parking ticket or the number of parking tickets that this neighborhood mm -hmm. will get? And then you'll need a number of factors, which you already have because you have not only the income, but you're getting mm. other census data. Right, so that I can, so I can see, see if they're getting like multiple parking tickets per week, how many times they're street sweeping. That's another factor. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Yeah. Okay. So it would be not just household income, but like how many people live in that household and what is their mm -hmm. background. And then you can do an analysis. And then once you make that predictive model, you actually analyze which factors were most predictive in mm -hmm. predicting the number of parking tickets per neighborhood. Okay. And that will tell you not just a one-to-one -one relationship of income to tickets, but across all these factors, income, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, to right. tickets, which one had the, the most biggest effect. predictive power. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I have big plans for you, Sami. Oh my God. Well, you're never getting out from underneath this project. Gift now. that keeps giving five years later. So, what's the next thing on our list? So, the next trend uh, being called out in this article is executive understanding of data science becomes more important. So, that's, that's what can data science actually do? Basically. Right? It's not a cure all, it's no, not a silver bullet. Yeah, exactly. There's been some. I think there's a few trends on this list that point to the fact that data science has somewhat been overhyped. And mm -hmm. I think people are finally starting to get over the hump of that hype cycle and finally realize like, hey, data science is not magic. It can't do everything. Mm -hmm. So executive understanding, I would argue at this point, executive understanding doesn't become more important. It's always been important, but they're finally, executives are finally starting to realize what really you need to put into data science to get out of it and what's a realistic expectation well i think that that has, that has a lot to do with hype and whatnot but also public perception of data science um, we see data science i think at least from people that i know what i hear on the radio or whatever it ends up being as like this all-powerful tool to learn and figure out anything um, and you know there are a lot of fears that go along with that. Like, what does our government know about us? What do co corporations know about us? And obviously, I think that conversation is really expanded in the tech community at this point about like morality and 
how we should respect people's privacy. There's that whole new California privacy law that's out now about data, and you guys all might be noticing that you're getting um, different prompts when you sign up for services about how your data is used at this point. And so understanding that data science can't do everything maybe is a bit of comfort for your average everyday person. Like they don't know everything about you, <laughs> but they can predict some specific trends about you in terms of marketing and consuming. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. It's actually not the next trend, but the next next trend on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, just basically data science and ethics are gaining momentum everywhere. So the way that manifests for me as a data scientist working for a company right now is honestly less and less access to data or harder and harder to get access to certain data sets. Mm -hmm. They're really locking it down, um, both because of new privacy laws, mm -hmm. also because of rampant data breaches, and, and also just to try to do the right thing. And okay. say, like, if you as a data scientist really don't need this data, you can't really have it. Whereas before it used to be the case that they would default to giving data scientists all the data because you kind of just right. don't know what you don't know. So you might be able to poke around and explore and find some interesting trends mm -hmm. that will give you the idea for what business value you want to create from it. But now, even before I can get access to a data set, like, I have to write a tiny essay about what business value I'm hoping to create with this data set. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of scary stuff going on mm -hmm. with how much we're realizing that your data is out there. Even anonymized data is not that anonymous. So, yeah. you know, for example, my phone tracks where I go every day and let's say they released that data set and it's anonymous because it only has a device ID. It doesn't have my name or my email address or anything. But they but, know where you live. <laughs> yeah. How many people go every day from my apartment to my office? Mm -hmm. Just one. So it's not that hard to, to de-anonymize anonymous data. And anyways, scary stuff. But I do think that if you are interested in these topics, but maybe less technically minded, there's a whole field cropping up of people who are going to be in charge of making new policies around data, data ethics, ethics and privacy. Cool. Yeah, we're skipping around a bit. This one is more, again, back to what it's like to be as a data scientist working for a company and mm -hmm. the different types of roles available there. So the headline is end-to-end -end model management becomes a best practice. Pre again, seems stressful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So again, just talking about how the evolution of the data scientist role over time, it used to be the case that it was just thought about as that person who trains the model. And then we realized there were all these supporting roles around mm -hmm. it because it's not just training the model. What happens after you start making predictions with that model? Right. Okay. How do you use those predictions? Yeah. Someone has to track that model to make mm -hmm. sure that the system is working properly, right. that the data that it was trained on stays fresh and you retrain it periodically. Mm -hmm. um, and that if anything goes wrong we're alerted of it so that we can fix that right. or, or just to help avoid model feedback loops which is like mm -hmm. when the prediction of your model your model output causes something that gives you the same model output again yeah exactly and so that's the case with recommender systems right where like amazon if they recommend you a product and it shows up at the at your home page and you click on it they're training a model based on what you're clicking on so mm -hmm. the model is just going to learn that you love whatever the model recommends you. Right. But if there's no novelty interspersed with those recommendations, then mm -hmm. the predictions will come become less valuable over time and less useful to you. So I heard somewhere that using machine learning isn't a great way to reveal new trends. It's a great way to, if you found a trend, to continue to identify it. But what you're talking about is introducing novelty. Is there a means through which introducing novelty can 
reveal new trends? I realize this is a bit of an aside, but I don't know. It seemed interesting to me. Um, yeah, there's a fancy term for that. It's called relevance dithering. So, like, <laughs> I know it's hilarious, specifically within the context of like search and recommendations and how you would rank items for mm -hmm. a user. You would insert like a random item or a popular item interspersed with your recommended items so that you can continue mm -hmm. to basically generate new data. Because you're right, what sure. you're doing with machine learning is exploiting the trends you discovered in historical data. Mm -hmm. But in order for that to be relevant, you have to create that historical data. Yeah. So that would be interesting if you had like a subset of people who didn't subscribe to a certain product and then you introduced that as a novelty and that subset of people then started to subscribe or use that product. Subscribe to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and then you have a whole new kind of correlation between that subset of people and the product. So then you can start marketing toward that pe those people. Yep. There's another concept with certain types of algorithms that are frequently used for ads optimization. The concept is called ex explore versus exploit which is like when you're choosing which ad to show someone, you would figure out by, it's kind of like A-B testing, but with multiple options, a lot of options are called multi-arm bandits usually, which is an aside, but you are basically showing different ads to a bunch of people. When you see one with a really high click-through rate, you want to double down and show that to more of the population, Right. Um, but only to a certain extent. So that's the exploitation is when you kind of double down on an right. ad that's working and the exploration is when you, kind of give another chance to mm -hmm. a new ad or an ad that gotcha. previously didn't work. Cool, cool. Okay. Lots of good asides. We're covering a lot, actually a lot of topics in machine learning inadvertently with these trends. Um, cool. So another trend here, efforts to democratize and automate data science redouble with parties that overpromise failing. Okay, there's a lot going on there. So I hear democracy, much. which we all love so much. Yeah. And then failure. Yeah, I think I can explain this a little bit more succinctly. So companies are capitalizing on the data science trend mm -hmm. by basically promising out-of-the-box data science algorithms. So for example, with Google, you can actually hit an API where you submit an image and their algorithm categorizes it for you like, hey, this is an image of a cat. This is an image of a dog. It's and they, it's, it's kind of fun. I definitely would encourage you to check them out. They have image APIs, natural language processing APIs, all mm -hmm. sorts of fun stuff. But it really is at the stage where it's just kind of fun. So they're kind of, they being major providers mm -hmm. of data science, out-of-the-box services, right. are pretty much marketing them as done deals, complete solutions for actual real-world data problems. And they don't really work that well. So I think sometimes mm -hmm. data science products products are a little over-marketed. Mm -hmm. The truth is you really truly still need to hire data scientists. So I don't right. think data science as a job is going away no. anytime soon. No, no, yeah. So the next trend we can just touch on really briefly because I think there's some confusion about this. The terms that people are using to describe data science have changed a lot. Before it was big data, then it was data science for quite some time, and now people are talking about AI. And I would squeeze machine learning in there too. Um, around data science, there was also machine learning. And I think that term continues to be used. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're referring to the same things. Gotcha. When, when people talk about this, there might be some nuances. So the hype cycle has moved on to talk about AI, artificial intelligence. You can just use these interchangeably most gotcha. of the time. I'll say data science still, usually, because I think it avoids some of the new AI hype. And it's nice to think it's about science and not just mm -hmm. like correlation. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like AI has become a little bit of a marketing term, mm -hmm. so I try to avoid it. 
data science makes a lot of sense to me as well because it's about experimenting and finding trends and yep. all that kind of stuff. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the AI chip market <gasps> as the next trend? I know that you're excited about chips. I don't know. The lays are great. Uh, <laughs> Pringles, myself. Pringles. Yeah. I'm actually the biggest fan of Hot Cheetos, but I don't know if you can really consider those Ooh, chips. I love Hot Cheetos. They're dangerous. Are they chips? I think there's probably a legal definition of chips. They're made out of corn. Okay. Right? I guess some chips are but made out of potatoes. corn flakes. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but yeah, chips are kind of interesting. We're talking about microprocessors, people. Not so lays. AI chip market stuff, that's about companies creating really specialized chips, just like data scientists are getting more specialized, so are their chips. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think that kind of started, at least to my knowledge, when people were mining like Bitcoins. And so they created graphics cards that were specialized to mine Bitcoin and do so in a more efficient way with their energy and how quickly they were able to solve those problems they needed to, to mine a Bitcoin. And it seems like companies like NVIDIA, AMD, um, I'm sure Intel is into it too, um, are getting way more into kind of making specialized chips as you know, computer science as an industry is evolving. Like I think during the 80s, it was microchips, right? And that's when you had computers going from the size of rooms down to like you know, what we have now. And so I feel like the specialization of chip circuit boards and how you can use them is a really interesting kind of one marketing tool for these chip companies and two um, maybe even like the next step in making things more efficient process faster the issue i think is that for things like data science you need such specialized solutions for the kinds of algorithms you're running so specialized chips are probably really expensive at this point it doesn't make sense for me <laughs> to get any sort of specialized chip. Um, but if like maybe Amazon Web Services, right, is running some sort of machine learning algorithm with an artificial intelligence on it, whatever they mean by intelligence, they probably have a use for a specialized chip. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I think the, the promise of these, trip, these chips is that it could reduce training times for machine learning models. But like you're saying... I think mostly big research centers and really large tech companies mm -hmm. are going to be the first ones to find that they have a use case for them. Mm -hmm. For most of my work, we honestly just use a standard CPU, even though there's already specialized chips available to us in GPUs and TPUs, which we can talk about later. If CPUs we need to. are computer processing units. Mm -hmm. GPUs are graphics processing units. What was mm -hmm. the other one? TPUs. T TPUs. T I've never heard of TPUs. So that is a TensorFlow processing unit that is specific for deep learning named for this deep learning library tensorflow okay yeah i know what tensorflows are yes <laughs> and what we, deep learning is too we actually have talked about deep learning a bunch of times and you've said something similar to this so i think we're gonna have to do our next episode on deep learning okay that's exciting because <laughs> when you said cpu tpu and what was the other one GPU. gpu i was like wow those all smell really bad <laughs> pu <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what's well, our next one? Things that smell bad. That joke was terrible. Hmm. This is our final trend. Um, it's still easier to teach data science and sell tools than to actually make it work in practice. And this trend throws so much shade. I feel like we could have talked about this first, um, but I'm glad that we saved it for last. 
Do you know what this is hinting at? Okay, wait a second, wait a second. It's easier to do, like, data science boot camps. Yes. It's easier to do data science online coding things than actually get someone to be able to use data science in maybe a corporate or industry setting. Is that, did I miss it on the end? Just completely whiffed there? I think you're, you're so close. It's that, in any gold rush, who makes the most money? The person who sells the shovels. Oh, okay. So the people, in this metaphor, the people selling the shovels are the boot camps and the master's degree programs that are $80,000, Oh my God, yes. And the tools that we just talked about, how they're kind of over-promising. That was a couple trends ago. Mm-hmm. You should under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah. It seems that we've got some over-promising and under-delivering here. Yeah. So this is kind of a big deal. Actually, at my company, people were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Someone wanted to know, like, what's a good data science boot camp? And people were like, actually, the people who instruct those boot camps told me that they're instructing those boot camps so that they can get a data science job, so that they can get their foot in the door. And it's like, if you want to be a data scientist, you want to learn from a data scientist, not from someone who hasn't yet been. Yeah, it's almost like a pyramid scheme, you know? Yeah, because if you have a boot camp that maybe doesn't have the industry connections and doesn't have placement programs, then it's kind of like you're doing a boot camp to not get a job. Right, you're spending 20, 40 grand to spend all your time. And then also you're spending the money on your rent, your food expenses, all those kinds of things that you have to spend, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week working on this boot camp. And then you kind of come out of it and don't have a job out of it. Yeah. Except to maybe teach the boot camp that you just went through uh, while you wait and apply to get a job out of this. Yeah. I think this is really important to end on because that's actually why I wanted to do this podcast mm-hmm. because a bunch of people have always asked me, how did I get into data science? Because I didn't do any boot camp, boot camp or master's, master's degree mm-hmm. program. Um, so I'm here to try to, you know, I feel like I've been lucky and I've scrambled up the ladder at just the right time. And now I just want to pull people up behind me. Aww. So I feel like that opens up a whole another conversation about how does one get into data science if not a boot camp if not a master's degree what's the best way to do it next time on data learners next time on data learners yeah well thanks for sticking around and making it to our sixth episode please feel free to follow us on twitter at data learners yep pretty nice that we got that one Mm -hmm. Um, or send us an email if you have feedback too should we do the email thing sure you guys can email us yeah at data learners pod at gmail.com spelled just like it sounds great take care guys see you later bye bye Welcome to Data Science. Nope. Oh, <laughs> 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 podcast. <laughs>